0: Morning. morning. It's good to be back with you here at Gateway again, our home church. Uh, Lynn and I, when we're not here, we're preaching elsewhere, other churches, and enjoying that as well. But David asked if I'd fill in here this morning, and I was more than happy to do so. It is a great joy of mine to, still in retirement, be allowed to preach the gospel, because it's good news. Amen? True, it truly is good news. When you understand the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it is truly, truly uh, good news. Uh, while driving the other day, I saw a very large bumper sticker on the back of a car, very, very large, and it said, Please be patient. And then in even larger letters below that, it said, Student Driver. I'm sure we can all understand why the student driver was asking people to please be patient. And and that caused me to think about what we're going to talk about this morning, that is patience. We're, we're going to see uh, what the Bible says about a very specific kind of patience, just like that student driver was asking for a very specific kind of patience out on the road with a novice driver behind the wheel, uh, the kind of patience that... God's Word is is going to encourage us to incorporate in our lives, is a very uh, special kind of patience as well. Let's read it together. It's in James chapter 5, beginning with verse 7. I think it'll be on the screens, but if you have a Bible, you might want to turn. It's a passage that David asked uh, me to speak on as he continues to lead us through the book of James. We're almost through, by the way. We're almost to the end, about... uh, about one or two more messages, and and I'd say we're going to be there. But in James 5, 7, James says this, Be patient, therefore, brothers. And when anybody asks me to be patient, the first question comes to my mind is, for how long? (laughs) Which tells you about how impatient I really am. You know, be patient. How long? How, How long do you expect me to do this? Until when? How long are we to be patient as Christians? Until the coming of the Lord. You've got to be kidding me, right? Until Jesus comes again, we're told to be patient. Behold, adieu is the Greek word, um, or I think ESV here says, see see how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of his field, uh, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late Rains, that's how the weather is in, uh, in Israel even today. There's an earlier rain and there's a later rain. and In between, is a pretty long dry spell. And, and the farmer, especially first century farmers, didn't have much choice. Uh, no matter how dry the dry spell became and how parched his ground became, he basically just had to wait it out until he received from heaven the help that he needed. Now, now that was an action that was totally passive on the farmer's part, but it was absolutely necessary if his crops were going to make it. I mean, the farmer could have impatiently, in anger, gone up and uprooted it all. We just lost it all instead of waiting for those rains to fall. Just like that, James says, exactly like that, like the farmer who has to patiently wait for the help from heaven to fall. Just like that, be patient. Uh, makro thumeo is the Greek word. Makro meaning uh, long or, or big. Take the long view. Uh, micro is small, like a microscope. Take the, the small view. But micro is is is, the, is the large, is to take the long view. And thumeo means uh, a fierce determination in spirit, an endurance about uh, uh, your character that for a long time you're able to hang in there and, and, and endure uh, what happens. Be that kind of uh, patience. Uh, to me, it's, it's like um, uh, a champion wrestler. Uh, I, anyone here a wrestler or used to be a wrestler? That was my sport, the only thing I was really good at because I was such a teeny-weeny little guy. But uh, I used to love wrestling, and one of the exciting things to me about wrestling is it it didn't matter what the score was, if there were two seconds left in the match, the tables could be turned, and the winner could become the loser, and the loser could become them. It just took two seconds to put your opponent on the back, and no matter what the score was, you won. And I can remember many times uh, wrestling an undefeated champion and I'd be ahead on points and the last ten seconds it was like trying to hold on to a wildcat. They did not give up no matter what the score. They wanted to keep their perfect record intact and they knew in two seconds they could turn the tables on me and, and pin and they could walk away with their undefeated record intact. It, it was a, I mean that last ten seconds was like trying to hold on to a wildcat because they were they were going to wrestle to the end. They were not going to quit no matter the score. That's the kind of fierce determination the Meo is talking about. The, the, the macro view, the long view, the determined view that I'm not going to quit for how long? Until the Lord comes. Until the Lord, and I, that's the final second. Until those final two seconds tick, I'm not quitting. It doesn't matter what the world throws at me. I'm going to endure. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. It's really going to happen. Do you realize people in the first century were saying that? Christians in the very first century were saying, Jesus could come soon. It's at hand. Don't quit. And then James goes on to say, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, adieu, see, look, The judge is standing at the door. Jesus could walk through at any moment. Now, grumbling is the temptation in the midst of suffering. Uh, To grumble, stenadzo is a Greek word. Uh, In other places in the New Testament, stenadzo is translated to sigh or to moan or to groan. And you've seen people do this when maybe you've been tempted to do this in the midst of a trying moment. (sighs) Woe is me. You know, I, I'm I'm enduring, but oh, I guess if I have to, uh, I will. Do not do that, is what James says. In the midst of your suffering, why? Because Jesus is coming, and until then, Jesus is listening. He's standing right at the door. This is the same Jesus who said, if you'll remember, "Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter." All kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Don't moan and groan and mope about. Rejoice and be glad. Why? For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're in good company. And it's in that same company that James cites as an an example the prophets. Our text this morning says, as an example, of suffering and patience brothers take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord most all of them suffered persecution and yet they took the long view the enduring the patient they saw the way along the path to its end and they would not quit speaking what the Lord had told them behold verse 11 again the Greek word adieu uh, see uh, look uh, looky here, uh, Goldman Powell used to say, Shazam, something incredible here. You've got to understand this incredible truth. Uh, we, we have a sitting president right now that often before he says what he wants to say, he'll say, look, and then he'll say what he wants to say. He's, it's, just, it's just a bookmarker to say, listen here, that, now th- this is the important thing. Are, are your ears open? Look, see, behold, adieu, uh, you've heard of the steadfastness of Job. I mean, we, we all... It's a, I mean, it's just uh, a regular saying today. Uh, you need to have the patience of who? You need to have the patience... He becomes the epitome of, of patience. We've all heard about the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord in his life and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. In fact, if you read the story to the end, you see how Job comes through his suffering in flying colors, doesn't he? Uh, He refuses to curse the Lord in the midst of unjust, undeserved suffering. Job didn't deserve what Satan was doing to him. Uh, The Bible actually introduces Job this way. Job was blameless and upright. He's one who feared God and turned away from evil. That didn't stop Job from receiving suffering, did it? Great suffering, unjust suffering, what happened to Job. No calls for that, but Job endured it. And the last we hear of him in the Bible, we hear how the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before before he lost it and the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning and after this Job lived 140 more years did you know that? after those trying times in a much more blessed state Job was rewarded to live 140 more years he saw his sons and his sons' sons four generations of them and Job died an old man Full of days. Now I hope you're catching the kind of patience that James is talking about here this morning when he uses the example of the patient farmer who he just has he has to wait for help from heaven. His only hope. There's nothing he can do. And the patience of the prophets who could only speak the word the Lord gave them and then endure whatever suffering they had to endure for saying them, and the patience of Job. This is a patience of a very special kind that the Bible is saying all Christians need to incorporate into our lives. It would be very easy for us this morning to use this passage just as a springboard to preach a sermon, listen to a sermon on patience, just a, general, just a generalized uh, sermon. Uh, we could say something like this, we all need to be more patient, amen? We all need to be more patient. That would be a, a general uh, statement. Maybe we would quote um, Galatians 5.23, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, long suffering. So we all as Christians need to develop this virtue in our life and, and be more patient. We need to be more patient people. That could be point number one. And point number two could be um, something like uh, we need to be as patient with others as we wish others to be patient with us. After all, that's uh, the golden rule, isn't it? To do unto others as you would have others do unto you and and you like people to be patient with you in your trying moments would they be as patient with you? Would you be as patient with them as you want them to be with you? So uh, we all need to be that, that patient with others too. Or we could go as far as to say maybe the final point of the sermon, we could say we need to be as patient with others as the Lord has been patient with us. Amen? Because the Lord could have just wiped us clean from the face of the earth. He did that once in Noah's day, remember? So it's not beyond him, but he's chosen not to do that. He's chosen instead to be patient with us. In fact, our focus verse this morning said, it's the reason Jesus hasn't come yet, is the Lord is long suffering, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to or receive repentance. The reason Jesus has not come is to give more people time to turn before they burn. Uh, so we need to be as patient uh, with others as the Lord is patient with us. And in fact there's a, there's a New Testament verse, uh, Ephesians 4:32 "Be kind, tender-hearted toward one another, forgiving one another, even as the Lord through Christ has forgiven you. You need to forgive others, even as the Lord has forgiven you. We all need to be more patient, more patient with others as we wish they were with us, and more patient with others as the Lord's been with us. It'd be very easy for us to just listen to a generic sermon on patience, and it's all true. It's all good. It's all right. It'd all be fine. Uh, and we could very impatiently be done with this morning, and we could all jump out of here to the restaurant of our choice and, uh, and be first in, in line. Uh, we, we did our sermon uh, for, the, for the morning. But that isn't the kind of patience that James is talking about this morning. That's not what this verse is describing. It's a very specific kind of patience he's talking about. The ESV's heading, that's the translation that we're using this morning, the English Standard Version. Uh, The ESV's heading for this parochope, this little piece of scripture, uh, is uh, entitled Patience in Suffering. But to be honest with you, James is describing an even more specific kind of patience than that. More specifically, James is describing patience in unjust suffering, in suffering you didn't deserve. Uh, Some suffering comes to us because, quite frankly, it should. We deserve it. As E.F. Hutton says, we earned it. Uh, because the decisions we made and the actions we took, there was a price to be paid. And it should not come to surprise us uh, that payday comes someday. You know, there's a reason why I'm carrying this extra weight this morning. No one force fed me. I brought this on myself. I deserve this. There is some suffering we all endure justly because of decisions that we make. That's why our mama said, sit up straight, don't slouch. Anybody remember that? Eat your greens. Brush your teeth. Remember those days? don't smoke, don't chew, don't go out with girls who do. Those of us who took mama's advice have our mamas to thank for some of the suffering we've been spared from in these latter days of our life. But what about those who've never smoked a cigarette in the day of their life and they still get lung cancer? How fair is that? What about the person who has, the teetotaler, who's never touched a drop of alcohol and they still die of cirrhosis of the liver? That can't be right. What about the Christian who does exactly what Jesus says and he turns the other cheek only to get slapped in the other side of the face? I mean, there are folks out there who are more than happy to take advantage of a Christian grace. And it's the Christian who ends up paying the price for it. And sometimes the price for patiently enduring that kind of unjust suffering is more than just a bruised ego and a swollen face. Uh, many Christians have been scarred for life or lost their life for doing the right thing over the last two millennia. Where is God when that kind of thing happens? Where is God right now in Haiti as armed gangs take over the whole country? Raping the women, killing the children, kidnapping the foreigners. You know, there have been more children killed in Haiti since the beginning of this year than all the children who have died in the Ukrainian war so far did you know that these armed thugs are killing the population speaking of Ukraine uh, where is God is indiscriminate bombing is just destroying the whole place the whole country Dams are now bursting. Towns and villages are flooding. Now we're told nuclear weapons have been moved into a border country. Or we don't have to go further than our own state. Uh, Last week in Mingo County, uh, where was God when one of our state troopers was shot and killed trying to protect the very people he was sworn to serve? How's that right? That can't be right. Where is justice when those kind of things happen? Where, where is God? I mean, God is supposed to be just. So why doesn't He get up and do something about all this? That's the question. Now, sometimes skeptics ask the question, if God is good and God is great or God is all-powerful, Why doesn't God do something about the suffering in the world? The suffering's not good. If God can do anything, why doesn't He stop the suffering? And that's a question that can be answered. In fact, David has tried to lead us into how that question could be answered. It's not an easy answer, but uh, it can be answered. But the question this morning is, if God is just, He's always on the side of right. He's always against the side of wrong. If God is just, and God is all-powerful, why doesn't God get up and do something about all the injustice going on? If it's true, as the Bible says, that the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the good and the evil, and that the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and His ears are, are toward their cry, He's listening to His people's prayers, crying out for help in the midst of, Injust situations. If, if all that's true, then why all this dilly-dallying around? Why doesn't God just get up and do something about it? Answer His people cry for help. The cry for justice in an unjust world. Why isn't it answered? When I think about all the unfairness that seems to be going on unchecked, uh, I can't help but think about Edmond Dante in Alexander Dumais' The Count of Monte Cristo. You remember that classic story? Um, uh, Edmund Dante is a 19-year-old young sailor who, uh, who, who is falsely accused and imprisoned in the Chateau d'If, the, the prison from which no one is ever seen again. The political prisoners are exiled there forever. And uh, he, the warden in the prison knows good and well that Dante has done nothing wrong. He's an innocent man. But he also knows that young Dante has fallen into his hands for the rest of his life. That Edmond Dante will never escape Chateau d'If, And the warden, just for the fun of it, just for the fun of it, he hangs all the new prisoners up by their thumbs and he whips them into unconsciousness on the first day of their incarceration and he promises and keeps his promise to come back at the anniversary day of their incarceration every year to whip them again every year for the rest of their life. And he only does it because he can. The prisoner hasn't deserved anything. The warden just likes to do it. And uh, on his first whipping, the first day of his imprisonment, the warden explains what Dante has to look forward to for the rest of his life, every year. And the warden says this. He says, if you're thinking just now, why me, oh God? The answer is, God has nothing to do with it. In fact, God is never in France this time And Edmund Dante says, God has everything to do with it. He's everywhere. He sees everything. And the warden says, all right, let's make a bargain, shall we? You ask God for help, and I'll stop whipping when God shows up. Whipping goes on and on until Dante screams, falls into silent unconsciousness. And the most terrifying thing about all that is there is evil that that is that evil in this world. There is evil that is that evil in this world. There is evil done in this world just for the fun of doing evil. And God... Doesn't seem to show up. That's the kind of world James was writing to when he said, Christians, you need to take the long view, the steadfast view of Christians suffering unjust. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. Strizzo is a Greek word. Uh, stand fast and rigid against an unjust suffering in which you must endure. Why? For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Jesus really is coming again. This will end. Now, this is a kind of patience that just blows the world's mind because Christians have been saying for 2,000 years now that Jesus is coming again. You've probably sang the song many times, Jesus is coming again. You may have even have said or written a banner that said Jesus is coming soon or that Jesus could come today. Where is this coming that he promised? Now, Peter promised or prophesied our world would one day say those very words he said one day this world would say where is this coming he promised ever since our ancestors died everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation Jesus is not coming we've been hearing you say that now for 2,000 years we live in this day that Peter prophesied people today Make fun of people who say Jesus is coming again, or today, or soon. Uh, they put us in the in the same boat with uh, the the long-haired, bearded, monk-robed uh, old man on the street that's holding up the sign saying Jesus is coming soon. Uh, what a what a weirdo the world says. What what a kook. What an antiquated notion. People have been saying that for 2,000 years. Where is this coming? He promised. They are saying that just like Peter said they would. But what people forget is what Peter went on to say, which we read in our focus verse here this morning, that with the Lord, a day is like what? A thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. So Jesus hasn't come in 2,000 years. So if I I figure that right on God's calendar, that's about two days. That's why we need to take the long view that we're being told to take this morning. It's, It's not been long at all from God's timetable since Jesus has returned to him. And one day Jesus will come again. And he will bring his reward with him. The very last chapter in our Bible records Jesus as saying, Behold, I am coming soon. Now if it takes a kook to say that, you have to call Jesus a kook. Jesus himself said 2,000 years ago, Behold, I am coming soon. And... My reward is with me. And I'll give to everyone according to what he has done. And that's a blessed thought for those who have been patiently holding on through unjust times. But that's a terrifying thought for those who have caused those unjust times. Because Jesus is coming. And he is bringing due reward according to done. The Apostle Paul uh, speaking to the second group of people says God is just now here we go this is the whole crux. Is is God really just? Is he going to do anything about injustice? And Paul says God is just he will pay back and you know what paybacks are He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to those who are troubled and to us as well this will happen when when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out of the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power on the day He comes to be glorified in His holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. And this includes you because you believed our testimony to you. You believed. And therefore, you patiently waited in the midst of unjust suffering. Now, how'd you do it? Why'd you do it? You discovered a kind of patience that only those who believe in Christ and Christ's return can hope to find. Only those who believe in Jesus and that Jesus is really coming again can ever hope to find the kind of patience James is talking about this morning. And you just need to face up to the question, do you really believe in Jesus? Do you believe He's coming again? And if you do, then you'll be willing to patiently, steadfastly, rigidly endure whatever injustice this world throws at you. Knowing, knowing, that the Lord has said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Can you wait for that day? If you have faith in Jesus and that He is really going to return, you'll be able to develop this kind of patience in your life without grumbling about it. James includes that when he says that. No moaning and groaning uh, like Joe Bidsplick uh, did, a character in uh, the Little Abner comic strip. How many are old enough to remember Joe uh, they, they The author makes his name unpronounceable. There's no vowels in it. Joe Bitsplick. But it was an old feller in, in worn-out bib overhauls and and uh, always down on his luck, and a storm cloud is always following him everywhere he goes. Uh, if I didn't have any bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, agony on me. I guess that's a different show, but how do you handle your trying times? We're not just being told to, to be patient and, and uh, grit our teeth, grin, and bear it. That's not what we're being told uh, to do here. Uh, we're told to patiently endure without moaning and groaning. Now be honest. Who here needs to start turning your frown around upside down? Because you're like Joe with the storm cloud falling you. Everyone sees you coming. It's going to be another complaint session. People stopped asking you how you were doing a long time ago because they knew you'd tell them. Those who truly believe Jesus is coming again, when all wrongs will be made right, don't live like that. They still suffer, sure, unjustly, absolutely. It's a promise. Jesus said that. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. what they do to Jesus? They put him on a cross. It's no surprise. We're going we're to suffer unjustly, absolutely, but how will we do it? Those that put their faith to work by patiently enduring steadfastly to the end until Jesus comes again, they endure the worst that the world can throw at them and still keep a smile on their face. The Apostle Paul says it this way, and I don't, I don't know any Christian that's probably suffered more than the Apostle Paul did in his lifetime, and he ended up in the end being martyred for his faith, but suffered a lot before... Uh, martyrdom, martyrdom was probably a release if you'd ask Paul Uh, but Paul said said it this way I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is yet to be revealed to us not even close to to the same thing when all wrongs are going to be made right that's what we've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. That's something we can smile about. We know how the story's going to end. There's a little ditty that some of us grew up singing at house Mill Church Camp. Um, it was interesting to hear the announcement how Joel had spent last week with over a hundred uh, grade schoolers at camp, God bless him, you know, I, for 24 years I was the dean of Jubilee camp up north and uh, it was a fourth grade only week, you had to be fourth, going into fourth grade uh, and I would have between 120 and 160 fourth graders every year uh, for a week of my life for 24 years and uh, I don't know if I believe in purgatory or not, but if I believe in purgatory, I've done it, I'm out, I, I graduated uh, but God bless Joel, but one of the reasons that I've always supported church camp and its work is because this church sent me to church camp, I'm a product of this church, that's true, but I'm also a product of church camp, uh, this church always uh, paid half of our, of my tuition to go to House Mill Christian Assembly Camp in Ona, and so as a little boy, uh, when I lived along the railroad tracks, and when I lived out on Cole Mountain, didn't matter, uh, they sent me uh, to church camp, and and I probably spent uh, uh, 10 or 12 years of my early childhood each year uh, going to the different weeks of, of church camp. And one of the little ditties that they taught us little kids to sing, and, and we kept singing it all through the years, uh, was, a, was a little song that went like this. And they usually had us sing it. They'd wake us up early in the morning and gather us all together. And you know about how happy kids are to wake up early in the morning. And uh, they'd gather all of our Smiling faces together, and uh, we'd all sing this little song again. I I still know it. I'm 66 years old. I I know this by heart. Grin again, gang, get gung-ho about Jesus. Smile sweet Susie, so you send Satan sadly away. Buck up Brother Bill because a bunch of bitter boys becomes a bunch of better boys behind a big, big smile. Grin again, gang, get gung-ho about Jesus. And the point being was to remind us as Christians what we have to look forward to. It doesn't matter how we're feeling at the moment. Well. It's a big tongue twister, but it's a, it's a great truth. Look what we have waiting ahead of us. Not what we're enduring right now beneath us. Uh, we, can, we can put a smile on our face even while patiently enduring unjust suffering. How? By remembering that Jesus is coming again and his reward is with him along with his vengeance and what a day that's going to be amen now today is a very special day in the life of my family Today is my wife's birthday. 26 years old. We've been married 46 of those 26 years, but uh, when you have a flux capacitor and a stainless steel DeLorean, you can pull it off. And uh, today my wife celebrates her 26th birthday. And in celebration of my wife's birthday, I've been looking forward uh, all year to uh, someplace special I could take her uh, to celebrate. I think I found it. I was driving across Interstate uh, 64 and got off at the McCorkle exit, and I was thinking, where's someplace special that I could take my wife to celebrate her birthday? And right there in front of me on Route 60 was the sign, must have been dropped from heaven as I waited at the light. It said, South Charleston, West Virginia, someplace special. And right across the street, wouldn't you know it, this pretty little French restaurant, Robert Avon, right along the picturesque Kanawha River, someplace special, I'm gonna take my wife to celebrate. Folks, Jesus is coming back to take us to some place special where there'll be no more injustice. A place where every wrong will be made right. Every tear wiped away from the eyes. And where we will be with the Lord and our loved ones in the Lord forever. That's what awaits us if indeed we hold on to our original confidence firm to the end and what's that going to take patience and patience of a very special kind a, a patient a, a kind of patience that will just blow this world's mind but a kind of patient patience only those who truly believe in Jesus and in Jesus's return can ever hope Do you have it? Would you like to have that kind of patience in your life? We're going to stand and we're going to pray that someone might place their faith and trust in a returning Jesus and that they can begin patiently waiting and enduring whatever this world can throw at them. Lord, we thank you so much for loving us. Forgiving your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. The just for the unjust. Making every wrong right in our lives. We pray someone here this morning accepts Jesus as their savior. And allows him to make their wrongs all right in your sight before Jesus comes and makes all wrongs right in the whole world that's our prayer lord it's in Jesus name we pray god's people say